And the way they uh, achieve this oneness with God is, uh, here's uh, some of the things that they do. Uh, one, uh, they call it Kirat Karni, uh, you know, where they sing uh, the praises of God. Uh, they pursue right living. They earn, they're supposed to work hard, and they are good workers, uh, reliable, and they are to share their earnings. They're to meditate on the divine name. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. We're on the air to bring you the message of the gospel today. In fact, we have the Reverend Kul Digangar, and he's bringing his third part of the message on uh, Sikhism and how to witness to those that are in that religion that they may be brought to simple personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's a question that is always uh, objected to by the world, and that is that Jesus is the only way to God. In fact, in this little booklet, the question is asked, is Jesus the only way to God? And it goes on to answer where Jesus claimed to be God. I and the Father are one. That's John 10, verse 30. Jesus also said he was the only way to God. And uh, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. Now, that's absolutely essential doctrine. And uh, when we as Christians start out and looking at how to witness to others, we must realize that there is only one who has made a bridge between heaven and earth, who has made a way back to God by reconciliation through his death, through his death as a sacrifice upon the cross where he brings men and women out of darkness into the glorious light and the knowledge of God the Father. And so we do invite you to join with us and stay with us here today on the program as we deal with the uh, religion of Sikhism. We're thankful for the Reverend Kuldeep Gangar as he has come to share with us his own testimony and his own knowledge of uh, witnessing to Sikhs. He ha now has a ministry uh, on to Sikhs, and we pray that God will bless and use him in the ministry of the gospel. So let us be much in prayer that God will cause the gospel, this glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus, to go forth. And we thank you for your prayer support and standing with us here at Let the Bible Speak, as day by day we endeavor to let the gospel be known. So stay tuned here today. May the Lord bless you through his word, encourage your heart, and be with you. Now, at the end of the program, we'll be giving you some details about our church, our website, cloverdealfpc.ca, and our telephone number, and how you may send for magazines and information. And if you go to the website, you'll get all the details of our church location, the map, the times of services, Sunday school, and all those details are freely available. And we look forward to having you join with us Sunday by Sunday as we worship the Lord and as we lift up the name of the Lord Jesus. You can also go to our webcast at the times of our services, Sundays 10, 30, and 6. And as you go to the website, you will see a red button. It will say Live Now. And you can view on your computer and you can listen to the Sunday services. May the Lord 
minister to your heart. Stay tuned with us now as we come to our message and song and then to Kuldeep Gangar speaking on Sikhism. We have mentioned, uh, we are looking at Sikhism, and we have the Reverend Kuldeep Gangar, who is ministering today on his own testimony, converted from Sikh religion to biblical Christianity. May the Lord bless you through his word today. They do not believe in many gods. That's true. They, that's over against Hinduism. They do not believe there are many gods, Vishnu, Shiva, Krishna, Ram, Brahma, um, and the purpose is for us to become one with God. Uh, there are two levels. One says that uh, we become by meditating uh, on a particular mantra or name. Uh, Nam Japna means uh, you know, saying the holy name of God. Um, and somehow you rise beyond uh, to be one with God. Um, they believe in what is known as karma. Karma is the idea that uh, whatever deeds that you do, whatever good you do, will affect your next life. And they believe that a person could go through as many as 8,400,000 lives. You could, turn, you could be a, uh, a mouse, a rat, a beetle, an elephant, uh, a human being. A human being is the only uh, birth in which, however, you can make real progress because you're conscious, you're reasoning being. Now, you know, some people laugh at that, but you can understand why somebody might think uh, that karma is true. I think we have to kind of sometimes respect and not think that it's utterly folly, it's foolishness to believe these things because a person sitting down might think, well, I, I had this difficulty when I was a Christian. Why on earth should somebody be born in the slums or somebody be born so poor or somebody born with a disability? Why? You can see this kind of system would say, well, I can explain it because they obviously must have done terrible things in the past. So, so they're born in this state now. They're paying for that. So it's not as foolish as it sounds. However, you know, to think about eight eight million four hundred thousand lives before you you know of course through uh, saying the name through meditation through doing good works you could cut that short but nevertheless uh, people think that that's that's to be accepted that you're going to go through many lives so I said to one of the leaders that I met with I said well let me kind of put it this way uh, you believe that a person could go 
through 8,400,000 lives. It's borrowed from Hinduism, that concept. I said, now, Christianity teaches that there is only one life. It is appointed unto men once to die, then the judgment. Now, I said, let's, let's just think about that for a minute. I said, if you're wrong, if you're wrong, you will have missed the opportunity to be right with God. I said, if you're right and I'm wrong, <laughs> then really I've got still 8,399,000 lives still to go through. So think of the risk. Eternity is at stake, holding to a view that you cannot verify. That's karma. And reincarnation is the view then that you can be born uh, again and again and again. And fourthly, they believe one of the reasons that keeps people from God, from this uh, being one with God, is almost like a pantheistic idea in one sense, uh, that you merge, just like a drop in the ocean, that you merge with God. Now there are two views on this again. Some do say that you merge with God. Others say, no, uh, you still remain conscious and distinct from God, and you enjoy eternal fellowship with God. And they say one of the things that keeps men from being one with God is that he's attached to the things that he sees. That is, he becomes attached to things, to pleasures, to the creation itself, and he forgets the maker. Now there's some sense in that too. And, the, and the, through uh, you know, meditation, through uh, repeating the name of God, you begin to think of what your real purpose is, that you're made by God and for God. And they say the problem is in uh, religion is the I, me, and mine. And that we somehow think of ourselves as individuals. We think of ourselves, you know, uh, as, as uh, people who have a right to certain things. And that we're not thinking beyond that we're made by God and for God. And you can hear, you can hear in some of those things almost a Christian aspect. Yes, there is a danger when we think of, you know, ourselves, put ourselves in the center. And they're saying you must become God-centered rather than man-centered. And, um, and the way they uh, achieve this oneness with God is, uh, here's uh, some of the things that they do. Uh, one, uh, they call it Kirat uh, Karni, you know, where they sing uh, the praises of God. Uh, they pursue right living. They earn, they're supposed to work hard. And they are good workers, uh, reliable, and they are to share their earnings. They are to meditate on the divine name. Uh, Bahai Guru, which is what they repeat often, means the wonderful Guru, or God is great. And they are to love their neighbor. It's a religion of good works. Uh, their religious uh, temple, Gurdwara, means the door uh, of the Guru the door to ultimate enlightenment. And after the 10th Guru, he uh, transferred that authority to the book itself. That's why when you go into a Sikh uh, Gurdwara, a holy place, worship place, they will actually carry the Guru Granth Sahib on their head because it's a sign of respect. And they will actually even at night put it to bed because it's a living Guru. Um, they serve... Uh, meals 24 hours a day and uh, there's a reason for that that when the uh, one of the gurus uh, Guru uh, Gwin Singh 
he wanted to break down the idea of caste in India. And in order to do that, he uh, said that everybody must be seated together and eat before they worship. That would prove, because in India, castes don't mix, and they certainly won't eat with each other. So this was a good way of indicating that they had accepted Sikhism when they all ate together. And so there's a langar where everybody takes off their shoes, they put a cloth over their head, and they're supposed to eat uh, in the langar. Uh, and many of the families, they all take their turn in serving and in cooking. This is part of their service to God. Um, there are no priests in Sikhism. A man as well as a woman uh, may serve their day of worship. There's no recognized day of worship, but in being in the West, they've adopted the same, um, and therefore Sunday and Saturday becomes the days of worship. You may ask any questions you want afterwards, but because of time, I will um, go on. So those are basically the beliefs of uh, Sikhism. Really, it's not, a, uh, as much as people like to think, it's not really a defined theology. When I compare the theology of uh, Sikhism to the theology of Christianity, I think, what a difference. It's like a pond compared to an ocean of depth. And they themselves will tell you that basically most of them could summarize their faith in about 20 minutes. In fact, this person who I met with did it that way. Because they don't go deep. They do read the book. There are some people who make it their, you know, their life to read and study, and they will get a lot out of it. But for the average person, he thinks he's just doing God's service by going and touching his head on the floor as a, as a sign of worship, and then he's done. He may sit there and listen to the reading of the Guru Granth Sahib, but really, it's not a religion that always lends itself to exposition. In fact, I invited uh, my Sikh cousin to a service, and he was just shocked how much explanation there was from the Word of God. That there was, you know, things taken out of the Bible that actually touch our lives today, even though it was written nearly 2,000 years ago. You see, that's strange, because if you go to a Sikh temple, you wouldn't find that on a rare occasion. But mostly you wouldn't find that. They continue to read, and there are ragis that sing, and then basically people talk to each other while the service is going on, and people may stay for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 5 minutes, and then they leave. Now what would you think if uh, the pastor was up here tonight, and you all came, and uh, you, know, you had a good chat with each other, and uh, 5 minutes later you all started leaving? <laughs> Right? You would think that's mighty strange, but not strange there at all. And finally, just a few uh, items on how we actually go about reaching them or to understand some of their maybe custom. One of the things, you know, they say a, a way to a man's uh, heart is through his stomach. Well, the way to Indian culture is through socially eating with them, uh, inviting them to your home, um, showing them that you treat them with respect. Uh, I remember when I was in England and we had a next door neighbor who was a Christian, an older gentleman. And, uh, you know, my father always wanted to do some good being former Sikh. And he would always take them fruits from the market and so forth. And so one day he came to me and he said, Kuldip, I want to do something for you. And he knew I had a lot of books. And they were all piled up. And he said, I I'm a carpenter by trade, uh, you know, so I'd like to build you some shelves. I thought that was great. 
you know, I was excited that he was going to actually give me shelves nicely done and I could put my books on there. But then I said, well, I said, well why didn't you tell me what you need and I'll, I'll get the wood, I'll get the wood and, and then you can make the shelves. And then came this note from him. He said, when you get the wood from the lumber, he said, have them deliver it, not to my house. He lived right next door to me. <laughs> he said, have it delivered to your house. And then on the back fence, our house joined with a little wall. He said, pass it over the wall. And the reason for that was he didn't want anybody in the white neighborhood, since we were the only Indian house, to know that they had anything to do with us. You see, that's, that was a shame. And that, you know, that stuck with me. I thought, well, how sad. That whatever the neighbors think. I think one of the biggest things that a person can do is to invite people. To invite them to a meal at your home. And one person said, if you invite an Indian to one meal, you're going to get two back. That is, they will. They'll invite you back too. Hospitality is a big thing in our culture. Uh, every time people meet, it's always around food. And just like when buying a house, location, location, location is important. Uh, so in reaching out to a culture that's very social that way, um, that you invite them to your home. And that's a way they're going to see how you live, how you are different. My brother-in-law was here from England. He's not a Christian. He's been following spiritism, mediums, doing everything under the sun. He's obviously searching. And he spent two weeks in our home. And he was... I think very surprised what Christianity consisted of. We didn't do anything just for his sake. All we do is have devotions every evening where we sing and read the word. And that spoke to him. This was not a one day affair on a Sunday, this was a seven day affair. And you know, he even spoke about it to other people in England. <laughs> even though he's not saved yet. He wanted to read the Bible with me to help me with my radio program. And he asked me questions that no Westerner would ever ask after reading a portion of scripture. He asked me, Genesis 1 to 11, he says, how come that this Bible deals with the world and it doesn't have anything about a Indian culture? He says, we have one of the greatest civilizations going back to 3000 BC. And China, he said, how come uh, this Bible of yours doesn't speak about those cultures? And I said, you must understand that the Bible is not a history book of all the world. It's a plan of salvation. And therefore it zeroes in, tells us how the nations were spread over the face of the earth, but then it zeroes in in chapter 11 to Abraham. And he didn't argue with me, he accepted that. He understood, it wasn't a history book. And you know, get to know their religion from them. You don't have to take my word for it, ask them. I have a, a lady in uh, Victoria whose daughter was getting very antsy because I was sharing uh, my Christian faith with her mother. And she was in the room. And she was all defensive. She said, we're Hindus. She very angry with me. So I said to her, so I stopped. And I said, well, maybe you would like to tell me and explain to me what Hinduism is. <laughs> she went silent. She couldn't. She didn't know anything about Hinduism. And this friend that I was with two days ago confessed the same with his father in the room who had just come from India, his son working for Microsoft, you think he would be educated about his religion, but he himself confessed that he never read any of the books. See, a lot of people are in that. And so it's true of Christians too, of course. There are many people who may go to church and never read the Bible. So let them tell you 
That may help you and put you at ease. Don't, don't assume that you know that. Let them tell you, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about salvation? And those who go to school or at workplace, I said, that's the best way to reach out, uh, is to just be intimate, be friendly. Here's some of the questions that I had when I was in Toronto recently giving a conference. These are the questions put to me by three Sikhs who sing in Gurdwaras. This is what they asked me. He says, how can God be three and one at the same time? Question of the Trinity. Why did Jesus die for such sinful people? How can this be gained? You have lost one perfect man in order to save sinful men who have not been perfected yet. <laughs> They're still sinful, as we will all confess. He says, how can you say you are to glorify God when he is already all-glorious? That's a profound question. How can you glorify someone who is already all-glorious? Why should I believe the Bible when there's so many religious books that claim to be the word of God? Does resurrection prove deity? Didn't Lazarus rise from the dead? Why could not God just forgive sins since he has no one to answer to? How do we know that reincarnation is not true? Now those are just some, you know, just, we were only there with them about an hour. And those are the kind of questions he put to me in that hour. So it's not that they're not thinking about religious things, but they're so confused about some of the things that Christians hold uh, that you have to get alongside of them and take one thing at a time and teach them. Now, I know I've uh, taken quite a bit of time I'd just like to say that uh, as far as my brief ministry, uh, I was nine when I left India, so I'm struggling with the Punjabi language. I'm learning as I go. Uh, so we started a website that at least you could recommend to a, a Sikh. Uh, it's a messages given explaining basically what Christianity is in 18 messages. And then I'm going through right now the Gospel of John, just taking a small passage of the Gospel in John and explaining it and applying it to our uh, culture. Uh, there's a CD available and we can get plenty uh, in, uh, from the church here. And if you wish to distribute these, uh, you're more than welcome to receive these free. There's no cost. Um, as I said, uh, we have cards and we can make thousands of cards. And that's one, it's, it has the words in Punjabi. There's a radio broadcast that I do uh, that reaches BC uh, on 5.50 uh, a.m. at 9 on Saturday p.m. And you could give a card out to a, a friend. They wouldn't be offended necessarily. They, you know, they take it and at least they can read what it's all about. And if they, you know, the younger in their family show are savvy with the computer and they could uh, get them to listen. So those we could make available as many as you want. Uh, right now I'm trying to... Uh, there is, the Bible is on the website, so the person can have it, uh, you know, read it for himself. Uh, I have been trying to get hold of a, a Bible that would be read, so that people who are not literate, uh, who can only listen, may be able to listen. But of course, it takes a lot of people to put all those things together. And right now, I'm also working on a doctor of ministry at Westminster. So... Hopefully when I'm completed that, then we will try to do more. So these are a few of the ways in which we're trying to help. If you need literature in Punjabi, you need tracts, um, you know, again, you can contact uh, through the pastor 
and we'll make all those things uh, available. Uh, whatever way, whatever means we can use, uh, one of the programs, what I said on it was that if a, a, you know, Gora, which is a white person, should go with an, uh, an Indian to India for the first time, and he's in the village enjoying India, and then at night he loves to, you know, he's a star, he loves to uh, astronomy, so he's out there when it's totally dark looking at the stars, and there's a hut, you know, there's a house that's burning. But he thinks to himself, well, I don't know any Punjabi, and therefore I better not say anything, because I don't know. I'm making a fool of myself. I'll wait, you know, next time, this house, I'll let it burn, but next time, I'll learn Punjabi, so I know what word to use for fire. <laughs> now, of course, you know, in your right mind, no, nobody would ever do that. They would scream, they would do whatever they can in order to reach the people in that house. And that person would become their savior, in quotes. And so that's how I began the day. I said, look, I was nine, I don't know Punjabi well. And you may laugh at my Punjabi, but there are people who are entering eternity without Christ. I'm just shouting like a child because house is on fire, because people are going to be lost. And really that's the attitude you should take. You may not know much about these people, you may not know their language, not know their culture, not know their religion. But even by giving a card, sharing a CD, inviting them to your home, listening to them, you open the door for their salvation. And the Lord, by His Spirit, and change them as he changed us. Thank you. That was Reverend Kuldeep Gangar speaking, giving his own testimony of conversion from Sikhism and some of the issues that uh, need to be addressed as we witness to Sikhs and tell them about our Lord Jesus. That is the burden of every true convert to be witnesses, especially to those that are lost. Paul the Apostle had a particular burden for those of his own countrymen, and of course the Reverend Gangar likewise. And so we trust that today that you will take to heart these words and be a witness, be a living witness for the Lord Jesus to those who do not have the privilege of biblical knowledge. They need the Bible, they need the uh, living witness of Christians to show forth the light of the Lord Jesus. And, of course, they need our prayers that they may be brought to faith in the Son of God. So let us be missionaries and remember those neighbors and friends around us who are of different religions and persuasions that we might give them the simple yet powerful message of the gospel. And if we can be of any help to you, uh, there is a booklet called A New Beginning. We could uh, certainly use that very well. And also, uh, if you're interested in studying various religions, we have this booklet called World Religions Made Easy. And we can get that to you for $5 in the meal. So stay tuned with us, and we'll give you the web address. We'll give you our phone number, our church location, and all the details. We look forward to having you join with us as we spread forth the light of the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for being a part of the program today. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived 
by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.